Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there, I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome, nerdy knights of the well-rounded table to Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. I'm Padawan Learner and Defender of Droids, Sarah O'Connor. Hello there. I'm Colleen McMillan, Jedi Master and Rebel Scum Collaborator. And I am Pirate Jedi, Anders Drew. While we vary in terms of our ranks here on BGS, one thing always remains constant. Much to learn we still have. Indeed. This season on Bohemian Geek Studies, we're taking a detailed dorky dive into Star Wars Rebels. Today, we're diving into Season 2, Episodes 13, 14, and 15, The Protector of Conquered Dawn, Legends of the Lasat, and The Call, one of my personal faves. <laughs> we have done our best to scramble our signature, and we'll be avoiding spoilers for future episodes of Rebels, but we will be talking about other aspects of Star Wars canon, and I'll throw in an adult content warning for the younglings. So without further ado, let's hop aboard the ghost and punch it to the fall to explore our holocrons of knowledge. Colleen, open up that first holocron, girl. Excellent. Our first holocron is the Journal of the Wills, where we go over the plot synopsis for the episodes of this week. In episode 13, The Protector of Conquered Dawn, as the Galactic Empire hunts the Rebellion, the Ghost crew meet with Commander Sato and Captain Rex to discuss options for a new hyperspace route to the Laval Sector. Sabine suggests the Conquered Dawn system, which contains a Mandalorian colony filled with elite warriors that could be allies for the Rebellion. Mm. Hera leads Phoenix Squadron to Conquer Dawn. Yeah, what could go wrong? Everything's fine. Mandalorians are totally neutral and <laughs> would never fight anyone. Puppies. Puppies and kitties and rainbows. Yes, really sweet. Just like mm, the sweetest people in the galaxy. They go to Conquer Dawn where Fen Rao, who is very attractive, but kind of a dick in this episode, he is Conquer Dawn's protector leader. He demands to know why they're there and then orders an attack on Phoenix Squadron when he learns that they're rebels. Two pilots are shot down and Hera orders a retreat and makes herself a target so the others can escape. Sabine makes it back to the rebel fleet safely, but Hera is in bad shape. When they discuss what happened, Rex, Sato, and the crew believe that negotiations are no longer an option. Sabine suggests destroying the protector's fighters and Kanan suggests they infiltrate the base to do so. Once Sato approves the mission, Kanan takes Chopper with him to complete it, but Sabine stows away on the Phantom and joins. Kanan reveals he intends to try for a diplomatic solution and only use hostility as a last resort. 
they really need to like up the security on the phantom like their people just stow away on it all, all the time, the time. Well, chopper let her i mean i think <laughs> chopper's the security <laughs> he's like oh sabine she's right back there yeah so Kaden reveals himself to Rao and they swap war stories as Sabine plants explosives on all the ships. Kaden asks the protector to join the rebellion, but Fed doesn't want to side against the Empire. Sabine is caught planting the explosives. She reveals herself as a member of Clan Ren, part of House Vizsla, and is seeking justice through single combat. As Rao draws his pistol, Sabine shoots it out of his hand and destroys all the fighters, Except for his, because she didn't have time to get to his in the end. Rao takes off in the in his fighter, but Kanan grabs on and critically damages it, grabs Rao from the cockpit, and force jumps into the Phantom. Pretty amazing so sequence. <laughs> yeah. Rao tells his forces to stand down and to keep his capture a secret to prevent the Empire from coming in and basically destroying all of them in their territory. This allows the rebels to pass through the Concord Dawn system, and the rebels strike an alliance of necessity with Rao. Yikes. Mm. Poor Fen Rao. Mm -hmm. So in our next episode, episode 14, Legends of Lasat, Ezra receives a tip, a great tip, about two <laughs> refugees being held prisoner by the Empire that turn out to be two Lasat who survived the fall of Lasan. Zeb is shocked, and the rebels quickly attack the, to free the refugees. Anders' boy, Hondo. Oh, yes! Hondo's back! Back! Bad as ever. We love him. And the perfect the amount rebels. of screen time, as always. Yes, perfection. Absolute perfection this episode from Hondo. He was actually the source of this information. Ezra. <laughs> I mean, it was correct. His information was correct. He's just not the most trustworthy. It turns out that Zeb used to be a captain of the Honor Guard which was a high rank in the Lasat military. When Hondo asks for his finder's fee, Ezra refuses, making the pirates super proud of his- I love that moment. So good. So, so proud of you, Ezra. Never, <laughs> Never had anyone move so quickly. Yes. <laughs> He's a delight. Jim Cummings also, just like all the snaps too in your vocal mm -hmm. performances, Hondo, we love you. We learn about the Lasat's new world, Lyrasan, as described in a prophecy that Zeb doesn't believe in. He also doesn't want to be the child, y'all. He wants to be the warrior. He's going to be anybody in this prophecy. He wants to be the warrior. As no, no, no. You're saying it wrong, tantrum. Colleen. Yeah. Yes. He wanted to be the warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. It's so good. Meanwhile, Hondo, who is the fool of the prophecy, <laughs> leads stormtroopers to the rebels and a firefight breaks out after Hondo warns Ezra of the impending danger. So good job there, Hondo. Hondo helps by sealing some doors, but is captured. I'm sure this looks very incriminating. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he just rolls with the punches so well. Like he does. He's, he's probably going to get executed, but he's like, I could totally play this. This is going to be fine. The rebels escape on the ghost into hyperspace. In hyperspace, Chava shares that she doesn't know where Lyrasan is. A child of the prophecy must save the warrior and the fool and lead them to the planet. Zeb grows frustrated and leaves the temper tantrum room. <laughs> Turns out he's feeling guilty for failing to protect his people as a member of the honor guard. Ezra encourages Zeb to protect his people again by helping Chava and Gron find Lyra San. It's a good thing that Ezra's advice works because Zeb is the prophesized child. 
Zeb's bow rifle and Chava's staff create a surge of electricity that points to an uncharted world in wild space. So the rebels head to it and straight into the path of a large imploded star cluster. Agent Callus's ship emerges from hyperspace using the tracking device that Hondo put in the communicator he gave Ezra <laughs> as an insurance. But Zeb uses the power of his bow rifle to stage an incredible escape through the gravitational force of the star cluster. When the rebels awaken from their knockout nap, they realize that they have in fact found Lyrason. Apparently the planet already has millions of Lasat on it because it was the original home world of the Lasat yeah. people. With that, Zeb resolves to guide any other living Lasat he finds to their new home. <clears throat> Yay. He finally has some hope, guys. That's I'm a little dear. Here for this. He doesn't have to have this weight on his shoulders of being the last Lasat. No, he does not. I love that. I mean he could have happiness. <laughs> he can have happiness. I mean, it doesn't change the fact that the, the other planet was like completely no. wiped out. It does not. Right. No. This is just an, an easing of his guilt and yes. suffering. It doesn't eliminate it completely, but it helps. Yeah. Which is which is something we really needed for poor Zeb. Maybe he'll be less gruff now, guys. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll totally change him. No, it will not. No. Finally, we have in episode 15 entitled The Call, we meet the space whales, whales. the Pergil. Some of my favorite creatures in all of Star Wars. These are large space dwelling creatures capable of hyperspace travel. They look kind of like a combo between a whale and a squid. Yeah. But they're very pretty and their song is very nice. With the Pergil swarming the ghost, Hera wants to shoot, but Kanan's like, no, 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 no. Hold off. Let's use some caution and not shoot the giant monsters who are flying all around us. <laughs> Through the force, Ezra can sense a bit of what they want. And two yellow TIE fighters appear and begin firing, because of course yeah. they do. Eventually, the rebels take them down, and Sabine tracks the fighters to the asteroid gas refinery that they were looking for. Turns out that's precisely the direction the Pergil are heading. <laughs> During a private conversation, Hera confides in Ezra the legend of the Pergil, and why she has personal animosity against them. Which, fair. If your friends died because of an impact with a creature, you'd probably be a little mad at them, too. Our conversation was really weird though. Like she starts off as the, it starts off as this like kind of revenant legend about the Purgle inspiring the initial mm -hmm. explorers to try and find hyperspace. Yeah. Right. But then fuck the Purgle. But then fuck the Purgle. <laughs> Hera is very complex. They had to make her like a little bit like not having the popular opinion because she's so awesome that they have to give her a little bit of stuff where she's wrong. Otherwise, I think she'd be a little too perfect. Mm -hmm. But still, Hera, come on. The space wheels are adorable. They are. As the ghost approaches the gas refinery, Sabine devised a way to infiltrate it, and the team plans on stealing the fuel from the refinery. But Ezra is too distracted by the Pergil to concentrate on the mission. Mm. Yep. Ezra, Cannon, and Sabine jump off the ghost and descend to the gas refinery's landing platform next to some purgle. Sabine, Chopper, and Cannon land safely, but Ezra keeps pulling an invincible and is unable to land without Cannon's help. Ezra stops Sabine from detonating explosives to save the purgle. The refinery's boss orders the sentries to defend the Imperial shipment from the rebels at all costs. And a firefight breaks out. Under enemy fire, the rebels load the fuel canisters aboard the ghost. Meanwhile, Ezra falls and awakens on top of the Purgle King, which saves him. Together, they communicate with eye hypnosis and they travel towards the gas refinery together. 
Mm-hmm. Wild stuff going on in those eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was insane. I yeah. love it. <laughs> Yushin tells the gas thieves to surrender, but Ezra arrives with a Purgo herd that absolutely marks the mining guild forces. They take them out. One of the Purgle grabs Yushin and plunges into the depths of the planet's gas. Before leaving, the ghost bombards the asteroid refinery in order to destroy it for the Empire, and it blows up. Back up in space, Ezra shares with Kanan that he established a very deep connection with the Purgle, and he learned that they depend on the gas to survive and travel in hyperspace, which the gas refinery had been negatively impacting. Mm -hmm. Hira ultimately changes her tune a little, in regards to the Purgle, and the team watched them jump into hyperspace. Absolutely gorgeous sequence there. Mm-hmm. And the ghost follows. Yeah. Nice. So good. Well, well, with that, let's move on to our second holocron, The Will of the Force, where we'll be exploring the theme or themes of today's episodes. And to kick things off, episode 13 is Finding Another Path. Commander Sato is insistent that they might must fight their way through the system, but Hera is determined to try a peaceful diplomatic solution first. Kanan is just as certain that they can't fight their way out of this. Finally, Sabine realizes as well that there are alternative ways to killing people and that the group secures their safe passage without having to wipe out slash battle the protectors. Mm-hmm. I mean, they caused some damage, but not what the, what's going to happen in the long yeah. run. Yeah. Yep. They don't lose. They, she and Kanan go and come back without a single like loss of life. Mm-hmm. Next up we have, I was gonna say next up we have faith and destiny. So faith mm-hmm. can come in many forms. In Star Wars, the most common thing we see people have faith in is obviously the force. But here we also see it, the Lasat have faith in the Ashla, which is kind of just their, their name for the force or their interpretation of it. And ultimately people have to make choices about who they want to be. It was really kind of interesting um, to see Zeb have to kind of embrace both the child, the warrior and the fool within himself. And once he's done that, he's able to make the choice to move forward and fulfill that destiny, that part of the prophecy. Um, and which he does, and they find Larison. Mm-hmm. I, I really love what this episode did with the concept of faith and kind of building that religious aspect of the force, mm-hmm. right? For mm-hmm. other people, <laughs> definitely. Because I mean, they talk about the Jedi being an old religion, yeah, and you don't really get a ton of religious stuff in Star Wars, you get it in the books, of course, there's a ton of stuff. And there yeah. are like ceremonies and things, but mostly you just get the Jedi and the Sith. So it was cool to get the Lasat be like, yeah, 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 the forest, whatever. We call it the Ashla. <laughs> <laughs> At least that's the light side of the force for them. They have a different name for the dark side, which we'll find later. <laughs> Next we have for episode 15, the call connection with nature or the natural world versus the modern world. Hera mentions that many of her friends have been killed by collisions with Pergil which is really sad, but the Purgle are in their natural habitat and they aren't trying to hurt people. They're not malicious. They're just animals that are going Mm -hmm. along their migration route, basically. This is what they've been doing for centuries. They're like birds or like whales in our world. They have migratory patterns that they follow and we disrupt them. 
and then yep. get mad when the creatures who are just doing what creatures do somehow ruin things or hurt people. It, it's a good mirror for our world where we've slowly and truly depleted natural animal and plant habitats, usually to the detriment of the environment. Like you have to wonder what disrupting the pergol does to the galaxy, because I'm sure they're supposed to be there. Right. Part of the natural order. Dave Filoni also said that he was interested in the idea that complex systems like the hyperdrive were inspired by nature. Hence the pergol traveling through hyperspace inspired sentient beings to attempt the same travel. So cool. Mm -hmm. You have to think that like early humans saw whales or things in the water and we're like we can do that let's build a boat yeah huh, we can do that <laughs> and birds we see birds and we're like hmm how about an airplane y'all we can do this humans are ingenious just please don't disrupt the nature also yeah and lastly obviously we have our series theme that of the chosen family and here this is really zeb's time to make the choice about this um I can't imagine what it would be like to think you are completely alone. You are the last of your people. And then you find out that there is in fact a full planet of your people that you wild. could, that no one would blame you for just be, for being like, you know what? I'm going to go live <laughs> with my people, but he's got, he's got new people and he does make that choice to stay with the ghosts and ultimately hopefully help any other survivor. Let's not get to Larison, but he's not going to just abandon what they've built together right so sweet. Well, <laughs> yes. well speaking of building things together why don't we head over to our third holocron where we bind characters and relationships together by exploring the galaxy's populace mm. and to start things off we'll look at fen rao a voice by kevin mckid Fen is a jaded man in this episode. He honors his Mandalorian roots, but he isn't willing to take up an honorable fight against the Empire. He takes the easy way out. Not More saying profitable. we blame him for not wanting to get <laughs> slaughtered, but it's a little out of the character for a Mandalorian. The Empire must really have put the hammer down on Bo-Katan's regime, which was in control at the end of the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. He's very afraid. Like, you can tell he's... He's trying to keep his people safe and it's like it that's very reasonable. The Empire could crush them very easily. Yeah. Very, very sad. Next we have Kanan. <laughs> we have to just dedicate a little section today for Kanan's sarcasm and Freddie Prince Jr.'s excellent line delivery. <laughs> Aces across the board, zero notes for Freddy, amazing. In these episodes, he's hysterical. When Sabine says that this whole Jedi philosophy doesn't work for everyone. <laughs> oh, we almost did a spit take when he replies, that's why we're at war. <laughs> amazing, I love it. Then during the call, when Hera is adamant that the Pergil are a menace to them, but Sabine says that they need to follow them, he has that over the top, that's so interesting. <laughs> And Hera just is like, Hera's like glaring, yeah. <laughs> shaking her head in the foreground, like I'm gonna. You are sleeping you. in your own cabin tonight. Yeah, yeah, no coming into my cabin. This <laughs> game is like worth it. It's fine. Yep. Next up, as we said, Hondo makes a return, and of course, he is as double-sided as ever and willing to sell out his quote-unquote friends in order to make a profit or save his own skin which he does multiple times throughout this episode. I love that he set it up. He's like, well, I sold them to the Empire and collected the payment. 
I was pretty sure you guys were going to turn up. So it, it all yep. works out. It's a win-win. And then I just really have to call out again that moment. He asked Ezra, he's like, well, where's my fee? And Ezra's like, you were never getting it. And he's like, I couldn't be prouder. You're learning so fast. <laughs> I know. Never he almost tears up with long. pride. I love him. I just he's, love him. Yeah, he's so happy. So, so happy. I love softy version of Hondo. In the Clone Wars, at first, he's more threatening and yeah. scarier, but he also has an entire like pirate crew behind him then. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that he'd soften up a little bit as he got mm-hmm. older. I like that he softens instead of becoming more jaded because then the character would not be fun. Yeah. This is much more fun for us. <laughs> Next, we have Seb. We learned that Seb was a captain in the Lasant Honor Guard. So he was really high up in the military. He was probably protecting the royal family. He seems to be dealing with a lot of shame and dishonor throughout this episode, as though he failed in some way and has to turn his back on the ways of his people. Like he kind of feels like he doesn't earn the right or he doesn't have the right really to protect them at this point. His arc in this episode is very much a person find like refinding their faith and redefining their faith as he ultimately embraces his heritage and uses the bow rifle. This part was so cool to guide the ghost through the seemingly impossible collapsed star cluster. And with that handsome ISB agent on his tail also. That's tough. <laughs> oh yeah. Gotta be careful when the warrior's chasing you. <laughs> and then last but certainly farthest from least is Ezra. During the call, he hears the purgle before anyone, even Kanan. This is an indication of his growing power and a nice little callback to when he's able to feel Vader's presence before Kanan and Ahsoka, which is so super duper cool. Yeah. And, and now that the we, animal power. <laughs> and now that we've wrapped up the characters and their relationships, why don't we head over to check out some advertisements? Yes. Before we move into our next holocron, we'd like to take a moment to tell you guys about Baxter Blue. Uh, do you experience digital eye strain from staring at your screens all the time and just exposing yourself to way too much blue light? Blue Baxter glasses are not your average frames. These Blue light lenses filter out 80% of the highest energy blue light, which eliminates 99% of glare. This past year, we've been glued to our screens more than ever. Um, I'm in the market for a new pair of uh, blue lens glasses. I have have a pair and they absolutely help me when I'm at work, logged in on my laptop all day, (laughs) keep the, uh, the headaches away. Um, I'd gotten kind of just the uh, the cheapest pair I could find <laughs> initially, but mm-hmm. I am in the market for a new pair, so I think I'm probably going to have to go with the Baxter Blues. Guys, our exposure to digital light has soared, and our eyes are and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter Blue is also determined to be a force for good in the world and provides a free pair of reading glasses to someone in need for every pair that they sell. This is eyewear built for the digital age, and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click the link in the show notes or in the video description for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you've been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters, and we know you will feel the difference. Excellent. We'd also like to tell you about our new partnership with Fiverr. Do you need a freelancer to help with your website or WordPress site? Or maybe you need someone to help write expert articles and blogs for your website, or even an expert presentation designer to help with that big work project. Look no further than the number one freelance marketplace, Fiverr. 
You can find designers, programmers, and more within seconds, some for as low as $5 per gig. Fiverr is the ideal tool to help you with pressing projects. Just post your gig or search for freelancers and you're off. Don't deal with the hassle of finding freelancers by yourself. Let Fiverr help you. See the link in the show notes to get started. Please note, Bohemian Geek Studies is an affiliate partner of Fiverr. We may receive commissions on purchases and services you buy after you click the link. These commissions help support the growth of Bohemian Geek Studies, and we appreciate your continued support. Nice. Now that we've got those advertisements out of the way, let's head to the fourth helicron, Binding the Galaxy Together, where we explore homages and Easter eggs of today's episode. Mm-hmm. There were a lot in these there episodes were a lot. today. Tons <laughs> and tons. So many things going back to the Clone Wars, you guys. <laughs> Flo, watch the Clone Wars. We love you. <laughs> First, we have the Battle of Maguito. This battle that Kanan remembers Fen Rao from, who was a fighter pilot during this, this sequence, is played out in the comics, the Kanan comics number 10. This is actually really cool. Like Kanan is with Depa Balaba and they're pinned down by a bunch of droids and it looks like they're gonna die. And then the Mandalorian fighter pilot squadron comes in and it's led by Fenral. So that's probably why Kanan wants to try for a diplomatic approach because yeah. he remembers them from when he was young. And he's like, these people were brave. Maybe we can reason with them. Good try, Kanan. You're doing your best Jedi work <laughs> out there. Speaking of Venrao and the Protectors, this is the group that actually regards for the Mandalorian leaders. They're guarding this moon, Conquer Dawn, in the Conquer Dawn section right now. It's an ancient group of Mandalorian elites, and they were tasked with guarding the Mandalorian royals, like Duchess Sakine Kreese. Yeah, great yeah. job on that one, guys. Yeah, they kind of, they kind of dropped the ball there. My computer is dying. I better plug it in. Just a minute, you guys. Keep going. I'll be right back. <laughs> Death Watch is where we find out that Sabine's mother was a member of Death Watch, the radical Mandalorian faction that was very active during the Clone Wars, attempting to overthrow the new Mandalorian's peaceful government and reinstate the ancient ways. Next up, we've got this glorious quote from Sabine. There are alternatives to killing. This not only shows some character growth on her part, but also pairs nicely with Fen Rao's insistence that they are fighting a losing battle to call back to Obi-Wan in A New Hope. Quote, it's a fight you can't win, but there are alternatives to fighting. Yes. Next up, another little Mandalorian Easter egg here. We have the, I can always, I can never remember how to pronounce this. It is Comark class fighter transport. Uh, These are the Mandalorian's fighter ships, also known as gauntlets, and they just look so, so cool. We saw a lot of them in the Clone Wars series, and they are the preferred ship of many members of Death Watch. Mm-hmm. Next up, this is definitely probably not an intentional Easter egg, but it made me think of it <laughs> when they are talking about how they will rebuild the Lasan people, and it doesn't matter that they don't ha- have a planet right now. The Lasan are a people, not a place. So shouts out to Thor over in the MCU and the Asgardians for finding their new home as well. Yeah. Yes. So the Lasat that we meet have more or less given up violence and the ways of the warrior. This is a very nice parallel to our dear Duchess Satine and her pacifist new Mandalorians from the Clone Wars. Although Zeb's like, fight. He's <laughs> like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't fight anymore. Like, no. <laughs> it's like, you're a freaking, you're a Lasat, damn it. 
Yeah, girl assault warrior in training. You were in training, and he's like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't fight anymore. Next up, we've got Ajla. The name of that the Lasat have for the universe's binding force. It's a nod to our dear Ahsoka Tanu. Sheen uses the name Ashla as an alias in the very early days of the Empire. It was, in fact, her original name when the character was being developed. How cool. And then Ognot sighting is yeah, Ognot. Ognot. <laughs> okay, Hondo's friend and crewmate, Melk. Melch. 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 Melch, not mulch, can be seen following the ghost crew through the hallways of the space station. Love me, Ugnot. <laughs> it, it, poor Ugnots. I mean, really. I mean, yeah. But... <laughs> Every time we see them, I'm just like, poor, poor babies. Like, let's give them a break, please. Next, we have clues on 36. This is the typical starship fuel that also makes a prominent appearance in Thrawn Treason, the third Thrawn novel. We also get the Mining Guild, which was mentioned in Empire Strikes Back and in the prequels, and here it is again. We always assume that many of the large corporations from the prequels were either absorbed or deconstructed by the Empire. Hi, Duncan. But the Mining Guild is still going strong, and they seem to have their own autonomy, which is interesting considering Sidious really didn't want any of that. <laughs> well, they're still they're probably still in the process of getting consolidated. Probably. They were probably um, just the strongest yeah able to stand it up and the richest because you know they have all the fuel <laughs> all right again another one that's not technically an easter egg but i cannot see a space whale and not shout out futurama and doctor who from the whalers on the moon to those 4d the four-dimensional space whale to starship uk these giant deep space whales and they are always usually they end up being gentle giants and they're just so much fun to see on screen <laughs> And can't forget those humpback whales from Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and the sentient space dolphins from Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker Guide to the Galaxy series. So long, thanks for all the fish. <laughs> Bye. Uh, another one, uh, Hera refers to the area where Lyrasan is as wild space. Uh, mm -hmm. This is an area that's kind of beyond the outer rim. It's uncharted space. Uh, we've been there a couple of times before. It is actually mm -hmm. also where the sort of weird nether realm Mortis arc takes place. Yes. And it's where Eli Vanto is from, from the Throne yes. books. Very cool. Space Texas, guys. That's what Wild Space is. <laughs> and then last up, we've got Sabine's art. If you look closely, you'll notice that Kanan's Stormtrooper helmet is painted with a Lothcat motif which is so cool mm -hmm. <laughs> adorable. adorable and Ezra's like I like my helmet <laughs> and with that we'll head on into our fifth holocron okay everybody we are now going to go into our fifth holocron the newbie from Naboo flow, 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 flow. this is Flo's first time watching Rebels so we've tasked her with watching the episodes giving us her takes and her questions Let's find out what the ambassador from Naboo thought about today's episodes. And I've got Zeb for you today, Flo. Aw, he looks great. That's actually a really cute pop. Except, I mean, his eyes are like a little bit creepy. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. does he really not have pupils? He, I mean, I don't think any of the pops really have pupils. But yeah, his eyes are like oh, yeah, that greenish true. colors. I'm, I just like looked over to my Ron collection. I guess his eyes are pretty black <laughs> and soulless. It I looks different when it's green, me off. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so let's go through what I thought about these three episodes. 
Okay, here we go. Lots of takes today. <laughs> Episode 13, The Protector of Concord Dawn. Okay, first of all, really like the title. Title was on fleek, amazing. Had no <laughs> idea what it meant. Awesome. I was kind of surprised that Kanan wanted diplomacy. I don't know why, but like, I feel like Kanan kind of like goes in guns blazing a lot of the time. So I was surprised mm-hmm. that he was like the diplomat in this. I don't Being know. a Jedi. <laughs> Especially yeah, after Jedi. they shot at Hera, like really yes. bad too. Yes. Well, okay. But then again, Kanan also sent her to like her doom on that other planet. So <laughs> whatever. Kanan apparently gives zero fucks. Um, I did like to get a little bit more of the Sabine Mandalorian background. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we still don't know that much. Like we got that, you know, her family was in Death Watch, which like, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> so a little bit of background would have been nice. That, that's um, hard for this episode. A lot of stuff from the Clone Wars. Yeah. yeah. And that was kind of tricky, obviously, because I haven't watched a lot of it. So yeah, that was- You I could just, fix that. That is a fixable <laughs> problem. It's true. It's tr- I've got all summer. School year's almost done, 12 more days. So let's go. And then I can you know, watch Clone Wars in the pool. So it'll be great. Fen Rao is a douchebag. My note literally just says Fen Rao equals Empire douche. So yep. <laughs> obviously, like he kind of turned it around at the end, but like still not not a good look. When Hera got hit, that was like my stomach sank. I was just like, do not let this be it. And I didn't think it was because we still have a couple seasons, but you know, whatever. Um, love Sabine. She's super super sneaky. I really like the like man-to-man combat like dueling thing mm-hmm. with Fen Rao that was really cool and like yeah you know kind of like a fast shooter kind of situation and then I really liked Sabine's quote to end it where she was like I guess I've just been raised right wink wink Hera <laughs> and Kanan that was so, so cute. cute that was so cute so overall like I didn't hate this episode I also like didn't really like this episode it was just like I was on my phone I'm going to put that out there. Okay. I was on my yep. phone for this one. Did not hold my attention at all. I The only part where I was like, what's going on? Was like the stupidest thing was when Fen Rao like didn't have his helmet on. And I was like, where's your helmet, Mandalorian? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is not the way, my dude. This is not the way. So anyways, that was really it. I Yeah, I don't know. I just felt like they should have gone deeper in the Mandalorian things with Sabine. It just felt like it was kind of lacking for. That was actually it surprised fair. it surprised me on this rewatch. I thought we were getting when I entered this episode more. this time. I thought we were getting more, and then as I'm going through, I was like, "Do they really not? They don't really go into it here." Yeah, they really didn't, and it was like such a perfect time to do it because she's like, "I know the Mandalorians," you know. She's like said that to Kanan, and it was like, "How do I know that you know the Mandalorian? Like you just have their armor. Like I don't know how you know anything." So, yeah, I did like when they were like. Who'd you steal that armor from, Bounty Hunter? I like that. She's like, the Bounty Hunter? Not recently. (laughs) Yeah, that was cute. I just really like Sabine a lot. And so, like, I'm here for a lot of Sabine content. It's just this episode, like, barely gave me any. Weirdly, like, Mm -hmm. in an episode that she was fully in, I just feel like I didn't get anything from her. So, sorry. Okay, you guys ready for the worst episode? (laughs) I cannot believe it. (laughs) Okay, so I think I called this one in my head. 
Yeah, <laughs> that, this really? would, that this would be Flo's take. I mean, honest. Okay, so episode 14, Legend of the Lasat. At first, I was like super into it. I was like, Hondo's here. Yes! Awesome. I'm going to laugh the whole cool. time. It's going to be great. Hondo is love cool. Hondo. <laughs> I did love how Hondo was just like flip-flopping between the Empire and the Rebels. Oh, He's yeah. fabulous. Like, God bless Hondo. And then we just like meet old lady Lasat and creepy man Lasat. And of I had, course. literally my eyes just like glazed over. I was like, I don't care about Aww. any of this anymore. Oh so, no. <laughs> sorry. It's um, people flow. Come on. Yeah, but he didn't even like them. No. Well, he thought he was the last one. <laughs> yeah. He thought he was the last Lasat left. So seeing these people is like very jarring. And he knows the woman is like this weird mystic. And he's like, ah, oh, shit. I just of all the ones like... that are left, it's this one. The weird mystic yeah. and then one of the trainees. Yeah. It... I'm trying to decide like why I didn't like this episode. First of all, like it just dropped people into our laps, which I really hate when they do that. Mm. But then also like. It's kind of like the Sabine episode where they kind of like drip fed us teensy tiny amounts of information about Zeb without giving us enough information about Zeb so that I would care. Like, I care that he was a captain. Like, I care that like his people really respected him and like followed him and he feels like he let them down. Mm -hmm. Like, I got all of that. But I feel like I didn't get enough. Like, give me a flashback. Even if I had just gotten like a montage flashback, I feel like I would have felt more connected to it. In this, I was just like, okay, well, creepy lady and weird guy, like, really like him. But, like, I already like him, so I don't need to like him more. Like, I don't know. It was just it was just weird. There was really cool parts. I really liked the hyperdriving through the maelstrom. Yeah, that yeah. was so super cool. cool. The music I love seeing... in that part is like... Okay, I wrote this, Colleen. <laughs> it is in my notes. I wrote amazing score and vocalizing in this one. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. it was haunting. Sweet. It was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So I love, love, love that part. I love seeing the TIE fighters just be like ripped to shreds. Mm-hmm. That was super cool. I loved seeing Callus's ship like start to go and then they turned around. Again, I'm like, how is Callus alive? I don't know. <laughs> like this guy just like will not die. <laughs> and like, it's not that I didn't like the mission to find Lyrasan. It's just like, it just dropped out of nowhere. And then yeah. like, of course it was sweet when he like went onto the planet and I guess like for half a second, I was like, is he coming back? But then it was like too quick. It's like, oh, no, he's back. Okay. And it was surprised that we didn't actually get to go to the planet, that we didn't get to go to yes. the planet, that yes. we didn't yes. get to land. Yes. Yes. Again, I, was sad like, about that. I, I feel like I just need more like clips of things. Like, again, I wanted that flashback. And then like, maybe give me like a, a pan of like lower on the planet. You know, like how... Like at the end of episode six, they do like the montage of like all the different planets celebrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I wanted here. I just wanted mm-hmm. like the village here in Lyrasan and like Zeb talking to villagers here and like getting back into a ship here to rejoin mm-hmm. the, you know, I don't know, whatever, just something stupid. But well, because there are millions of them now, apparently. From are there? Okay. Millions. Yeah, that's what yeah. he said. Wait, millions. He said that they're it's thriving millions. there because this Lyrasan is in fact. Wait, they said millions? Because yeah, that's actually where their people home. came from originally. Okay. Millions so, flow. So are you saltier now that you know that it's millions? Yeah, I actually am saltier now. Yeah, I thought you literally, might be. what I figured, okay, now I'm, I'm pissed. Because I literally thought 
Okay, so there was that part where they're like, oh, isn't it sad that they left just the two of them on that planet by themselves? And then like, they're he's like, alone. oh no, like there's more than they're that? They're not alone, yeah. yeah. Right, okay, which is great. Like, I'm super happy they're not alone. Obviously, I don't want anybody to be alone. But Millie, like I thought there were maybe like 30. I wasn't no, the pla- it's a planet full of like, Lasat. Yeah, this is this is their their home base basically, but they it, right. they had lost like the way to get there, so they're probably a little different from the Lasat that were in the main galaxy, which would be interesting to see. Also, like I want to see the cultural clash happening. Okay, do we ever see these people again? We can't tell Spoilers. you that. We promise. I no. hate you guys Spoilers. so much because right now I am irate because if we did all this and there are millions on a planet if they do not freaking follow zeb later i'm gonna be pissed that we went through a maelstrom <laughs> to get to them pissed all right i'm i'm writing this down in my notes as check back later <laughs> unbelievable okay anyways let's move on from this episode because it just made me mad okay episode 15 this was my favorite of the batch very good okay so the issue is obviously i sat in on a lot of your ezra bridger talks Mm-hmm. So I already kind of knew that he was going to connect with the Purgles, but I was very surprised to see the like eye-changing craziness. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. That was weird. Doesn't it look like the hyperspace jump? I love that. It does. It does mm-hmm. look like that. I had no idea what was going on. I did want to quickly shout out that the name of the episode is "The Call." And for those of you who don't know, that is the best Backstreet Boys song. So if you have not heard it in a while, you should go listen to the call by Backstreet Boys, um, even though I'm Team NSYNC. So good job on that. Um, I do have a note for the ghost crew before we get into the Purgles. So here they are. They're like shivering in the ghost, right? They've had to shut down like most of the power, like divert the power. Why don't they have blankets? Like they're just like sitting there. They haven't put on layers. They haven't put on a blanket. They're not like drinking tea. They're just like, my brain is freezing. And it's just like. Well, they can't drink tea because they can't heat it up. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm sure. Like, I'll give you the blankets. The blankets, yeah. Too much I'm to sure animate. that Chopper has like a random like hot plate. <laughs> All right. Chopper could just be like. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh I'm just I feel it's like there are ways. <laughs> okay. So then we get to the Purgles. They are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I really like mm-hmm. them. Yeah. I don't know what I was picturing in my mind when you guys were talking about purgles because I never looked them up, but I was not expecting the like squid tentacles. Mm-hmm. But they were really cool. They were super, super cool. I really like that Sabine decorated Kanan's helmet. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one was <laughs> Especially like the jagged teeth on the mouth part, which like reminded me of the mayor in Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> and so I kept like expecting it to like turn like that one does. It was just wild. Um, so I really like that. And I like that he still wore it. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, well yeah. I'm stuck now. So I'm going to wear this stupid ass helmet that my daughter <laughs> made in arts and crafts. Um, I really liked it when they jumped out of the ship and they were just like diving towards the planet with the purgles. It mm-hmm. was beautiful. It was like, I don't know. It was kind of like scuba diving in a way. It was really cool. Yeah. Okay. I, I just have a note here. When Ezra and Kanan are just like standing on the ghost, like kind of near the end and the purgles are like all around them and they're like leaving, just watching it. I felt nauseous, like my vertigo like kicked in and I was just like, I I can't. How are they in the middle of space just like standing on a ship 
with all these things floating by, like I would get so dizzy and fall off the ship. So props to you, Ezra and Kanan. <laughs> I'm like feeling nauseous just like thinking about it again. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> um, and then it was super cool to see that the Purgles can travel through hyperspace. So that was super cool. Um, I was slightly confused about the refinery part or like why they ran out of fuel. Like I wasn't really sure why that was happening. So I don't know. Like obviously they can't give me like all the back story, but like why are they by themselves with no fuel? I didn't really understand that. Um, I will say that refinery boss is like the only bad guy who's like not a real bad guy, but like a lower level bad guy who kind of like got his own hands dirty. And I was like, go refinery boss. Like way yep. to like stand up for your refinery. Yes. <laughs> you douchebag, but. <laughs> yes, the mining guild sucks, but he at least he tried. <laughs> I mean, he got right in there. He got eaten by a purgle yep so good job refinery guy like way to like not just like let your people die and you you got in there and died yourself so good on you buddy (laughs) overall good episode um again like unrelated episodes just like pieced together um they were fine i don't know they definitely were not my favorites but it was still good enjoyable tv awesome well thanks for that flow yay yeah. With that under our belts, why don't we move on to our six holocron conjecture at the cantina, where we ask our questions about the episode and explore some wider Star Wars lore together. Colleen, why don't you kick us off? Of course. So for these episodes, they really in particular wanted to focus on Zeb's character for his Legends of the Lasat episode and his past, which we didn't get quite as much as we want, but... They just, they're not going to give it to us, unfortunately. Damn it. Wow. <clears throat> they said that they actually toyed with making Zeb royalty <laughs> instead of having him be part of the military. But then they settled on the honor guard because it seemed more in character for him. Like he was the most militaristic of the group, the best fighter in the group, like hand-to-hand combat fighter. Either way, he was someone who was very important and respected, and he blames himself for the fall of his people. Like, this is all on his shoulders, thinking he's the last one. And so, like, you'd think that finding two of them would make him feel better, but I think it's also very realistic that it was like, whoa, PTSD flashback, no. I can't deal with this right now. I'm going to walk away. And then Ezra's like, but look, it's your family. (laughs) I love Ezra so much. I mean, apparently there's millions, so F this. Like, it didn't even matter. (laughs) I mean, it well, did. It did. They like did. there was still a planet full of them that got wiped out. Like that still yeah, happened. I mean, though. they all they're all dead. All right. All I'm saying is <laughs> they like, all did. Leia wasn't out here like bemoaning Alderaan forever. So, <laughs> like that's Damn. all. Damn. She in the books she does, but yeah, in the in the movies she really does. In the not. movies she's like, yeah, it's yeah. unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. In the books it's like, ooh, yikes. She has a couple flashback things that are not yeah. fun but in the movie she has to put on that kind of like regal i can handle anything aspect and zeb just doesn't have that voice or yeah. state of mind to do that um we also have story groups pablo hidalgo emphasize that the force isn't just for the jedi and the sith yay anyone can be a jedi <laughs> anyone can connect with the force cultures like Lasat have their own interpretation of the force and what it means for them and for the galaxy at large like this is good yeah which is a really cool concept. I liked what they were doing with that in that mm-hmm. episode, how Zeb's the bow rifle sort of kind of connects him with the force. I was a little mm-hmm. confused. There are a couple of references in these episodes to like the ancients and, you know, people from like 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years ago. And I'm like, yeah, but they still had like blaster rifles in hyperspace like 10,000 years ago. (laughs) So that's the weirdest part when you look like at the games and stuff when it's supposed to be what, like 30,000 years in the past. Mm -hmm. And it seems like they have the exact same technology. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No improvements made. No, it's fine. Everything we have is fine. All right, so I had a couple of questions about these episodes. Like Hera is so adamant that the Purgle are a menace and that they, you know, just wander through hyperspace lanes and cause ship crashes. And I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe you're flying a ship through their house. Like maybe you're the asshole here. Yes, yes. I mean, a hundred percent. But also like, from what I gathered, it's like unpredictable to know where they are, right? To an extent, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I mean, it's kind of just like, well, they were just there and we were just there. But yeah, she was a huge dick to these purgles. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. why? Like, chill out. Which made for the best moments, but like, to be just like, follow the purgle. Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> cute. That was cute. And she's got to start trusting Ezra, you know? Kids got yeah. instincts. Yeah, the baby. Trust the baby <laughs> bean. He is smart. <laughs> I mean, right, I don't I'm, know, he's possessed by purgles, so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that means he can just go through hyperspace now. <laughs> I mean, that would be sick. And we got a lot, like you said, we got a lot of references to Mandalorian stuff without actually really diving deep into it. I mean, forging your armor, Mandalore being at war with itself, this line from Kanan, Mandalorians can't solve anything that's not at the end of a blaster. So I was just wondering, Colleen, can you give us a kind of just a brief primer on Mandalorian history? Of course I can. Brief? I don't know her. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I compiled a little bit from Wikipedia and other stuff that we've gone over. So the Mandalorians were a clan-based cultural group composed members of multiple species, all bound by a common culture, creed, and code, which we see showcased in the TV show of Mandalorian a lot more than in the movies or the TV shows. They originated in the Outer Rim and were actually legendary warriors against the Jedi. Like, they've been clashing for centuries with the Jedi. (laughs) That's why they also have the slug thrower weapons instead of just blasters, because slug throwers threw, like, bullets at Jedi, which the uh, lightsabers couldn't deflect as easily. (laughs) So they're, like, just busting calves in the Jedi because the lightsabers can't deflect the bullets. I love the Mandalorians. They're great. From their homeworld, the Mandalorians flourish across Mandalorian space. Like everything about Mandalore's Mandalorian, Mandalorian sector, Mandalorian planet. Yes, everything is Mandalorian. And the galaxy at large, they colonized multiple worlds, including Sabine's homeworld. Mandalore largely had a martial history, but since the Mandalorian Civil War, pacifist sentiment emerged, and the Mandalorians reformed under the new Mandalorian regime, led by Duchess Satine Kreese of House Kreese. Duchess we Satine. Love her. Obi-Wan's girlfriend. We love her so much. Under the new government, Mandalore remained neutral during the Clone Wars. Despite enjoying decades of peace, conflict persisted between the Mandalorian, new Mandalorian government and factions such as the Death Watch. We fucking hate you, Previsla. Go die. A group of exiled Mandalorian warriors who wanted Mandalore to return to the traditional warlike ways. This conflict led to another civil war during the Clone Wars that toppled the ruling new Mandalorian regime and restored the old, secretly controlled by Maul. Whoopsies, whoopsies everyone. Mandalore was controlled by Maul at one point. 
Bo-Katan Kreese was put in place as regent after defeating Maul at the end of the Clone Wars, but her government was ousted during the occupation by the Empire. After the fall of the Empire, we don't know what happened to Mandalore, except that there aren't very many Mandalorians left. It's mentioned on the TV show that there was a great purge, but we don't know what happened. Our best guess is that when they were trying to oust Bo-Katan's next group, would be my guess, is when they were all summarily destroyed, mm-hmm. which very sad, which led to the cult of always wear your helmet. <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. Well, my only question is, and this is super duper important, is the voice actor for Fen Rao the guy from Grey's Anatomy and Rome? Because I think it is. It is. That is Kevin McKidd. Uh, he's also in the Percy Jackson movies as Percy's father, Poseidon. Don't care what Ooh. anyone says. The first Percy Jackson movie is a is fun. I haven't read the books, so I'm not like making comparisons, which apparently aren't that good. But it's a fun movie on its own. I liked nice. them. I thought they were good. I love Kevin McKidd. He is <laughs> amazing. They need to put him in live action Star Wars immediately. Yeah, I think he'd be very good in it. Mm-hmm. If Fenra was still around, like I want to see him in live action next to Katie Sackov as Bo-Katan. Like, <laughs> give it to me now, <laughs> John Favreau, <laughs> please. Well, I think that wraps things up for us. So join us again next week as Hera brings Kanan to meet the parents when we discuss season two, episodes <laughs> 16, 17, and 18. Until then, please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. Check out our website at bohemiangeekstudies.com where you can watch all of our episodes, enjoy Colleen's book corner where she's reviewing Star Wars literature, and contact us through email and social media. And as always, keep telling other nerdy knights to join us because it really does help. You can also head over to forgottenentertainment.com to check out all of the offerings from the Forgotten Entertainment family including yet another Star Wars podcast where Colleen and Anders, along with co-host Daniel and some special guests you may recognize, are examining the films in Star Wars canon. Until next time, sabers up and keep those episodes streaming. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.